everything turn, turn, turn. There is a season and a time to every purpose under heaven. BFF.FM, best frequencies forever. Good morning. I'm your host, Keith Dixon, and thanks for tuning in. The name of the program is Turn, 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 and the idea being that to every song, there is a season. The purpose of this hour is to play songs that embody the current season. It's summertime, and we'll be playing songs from Cornelius, Al Green, and Parquet Courts. But first, we'll be starting with a song that has one of the greatest opening lines of an album, when it kicks off with... Where's the paper bag that holds the liquor, just in case I feel the need to puke? That lyric is followed closely by another gym. So you want to build an altar on a summer night. You want to smoke the gel off a fentanyl patch. This is none other than the writing of Silver Jew's singer-songwriter and poet, David Berman. Over the past few years, much has been said, even on this show, about Berman's tragic death by suicide in August of 2019. Instead, we'll focus on what he left behind, his music, his words. There were a number of songs I could have chosen as representative of a Silver Jews summer tune. The song People invokes the feeling of sitting in a lawn chair in your front yard on a hot summer day and features the incredible stanza, I love to see a rainbow from a garden hose lit up like the blood of a centerfold. I love the city and city rain, suburban kids with biblical names. Or perhaps I could have chosen the perfect poetry of the wild kindness, or like like the 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 death, or Dallas, or well, you get the point. I went with our featured track because quite simply, it rips and finds the band tapping into a sound rooted in punk with lyrics that seem to align with the genre's tendency towards nihilism and excess. The aforementioned lyrics involving liquor and fentanyl consumption can help support this claim. The song has a certain Sid and Nancy vibe, two punk burnouts in love to the max, careening towards some destructive, unknown future. The mention of bohemian Parisian painter Henri de Toulouse-Lautrec, who died due to chronic alcoholism in 1901, lends credence to this point. They believe that they are wasting away in some poetic fashion, beauty in the meaninglessness. Then again, as Vonnegut once said, quote, no art is possible without a dance with death, end quote. This is Punks in the Beer Light.
BFF.FM. Best frequencies forever. Up next, we'll be featuring a song from an album that took a risk in the midst of a culture clash. Diana Ross's self-titled 11th studio album, Diana, was released in 1980 in the aftermath of the anti-disco movement. By the end of the 1970s, tension and hostility had been building towards the genre. At the time, disco was criticized as being, quote, mindless, consumerist, overproduced, and escapist, end quote. The slogans, disco sucks and death to disco became phrases that were commonly used. Disco's rise coincided with the birth of another genre, punk, whose aesthetics and ethos were the antithesis of the decadent dance craze, though they shared an enthusiasm for hedonism. The punk scene in the UK and US were anything but accepting and were vocal opponents of the genre. Funny enough, though, a few years earlier, the Bromley contingent, who were disciples of the Sex Pistols and early stalwarts of the UK punk scene, were fans. In fact, their sanctuary was Louise's, a nightclub in Soho, where the house anthem was none other than Diana Ross's Love Hangover, which was a favorite of those early UK punks. But fast forward back to the end of the 70s, and anti-disco sentiment would finally spill over, culminating with the infamous Disco Demolition Night on July 12, 1979. The promotional event took place in Chicago at Kaminsky Park in between a doubleheader played by the Chicago White Sox and the Detroit Tigers. Staged by local rock DJ Steve Dahl and Gary Meyer, disgruntled rock fans attended the game to watch as disco records were blown up in center field. After the demolition, and just before the start of the second game, the crowd erupted into a riot and stormed the field, where they set fires, tore out seats, and ripped up pieces of turf. The Dean of American Rock Critics, Robert Criscow, would go on the record as saying that homophobia and most likely racism were reasons behind the anti-disco movement as a whole, a conclusion seconded by other journalists. So with all this still fresh in the air, Diana Ross tapped Niall Rogers and Bernard Edwards of Chic to write and produce her next album in December of 1979. The team would complete the album, which would feature the mega hits Upside Down and I'm Coming Out. After Ross played the album for influential New York City DJ Frankie Crocker, he warned of the backlash, going so far as to tell Ross that the album could be a career-ending move. So she went back into the studio without the knowledge or approval of Rogers and Edwards and remixed the master tapes, removing extended instrumental passages and speeding up the tempo on tracks, even re-recording her lead vocals. How very punk chic. Rogers and Edwards would publicly object and at one point considered removing their names from the album altogether. The album would peak at number two on the Billboard charts despite the atmosphere it was released in. This is My Old Piano.
BFF.FM. Best frequencies forever. That was One on One from Daryl Hall and John Oates' 1982 release, H2O, a title which plays on the first letters of their last names. The album saw the duo combining their Philly blue-eyed soul with the emerging sounds of New Wave. The featured track is a perfect example with its minimalistic synthesizer-based production with soulful seductive crooning over the top. In an interview, Hall stated that one-on-one vents the frustration of traveling with a band and explores the idea that due to constant touring, he is often stuck, quote, being in one place but wanting to be somewhere else, end quote. Up next is a song that saw a Manchester punk band break the confines of the two-minute verse chorus form when they released a sprawling burst of infectious pop punk in 1979. The Buzzcocks would set themselves apart with their tunefulness and pop craftsmanship, traits that were oftentimes lacking in many of their peers at the time. Our featured song is more akin to something that television would have released than that of punk pioneers the Sex Pistols. The song is built around a powerful bass line that takes the driver's seat with drums that lock tightly into the groove and are punctuated by fuzzy stabs of dueling guitars. Clocking in at six and a half minutes, the song was ready for the dance floor. This is Why Can't I Touch It?
Community Radio. All your friends are doing it. 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 Best frequencies forever. We'll be closing out the program with a pair of tracks. Up first is Let Me Show You Love from the elusive Detroit house producer Moody Man. Taken from 2020's Taken Away, the song is a hypnotic and ethereal piece. As the beat and bass pulsate and thump, the melodies shimmer and shine, cutting through like refractile lights. All the while, whispered and hushed vocals add an airy dimension to the track. That would be followed by a song from a 2003 double album that saw one of the greatest hip-hop duos of all time split their personalities and songs over two discs, essentially releasing two solo albums under their moniker. Outkast's Speakerbox The Love Below was an expansive and ambitious release, with a total of 39 tracks, which included a number of skits that were obligatory for rap albums of that era. Nonetheless, 135 minutes of music that Dorian Lansky of The Guardian likened as quote, hip-hop's sign of the times, or the White Album, end quote. But where Big Boy continued to perfect his flow over booming 808 beats, paired with Southern Fried, P-Funk Bounce, Andre 3000 broke the mold and abandoned his idiosyncratic rapping, instead opting to croon and sing over Prince and Sly Stone-influenced tunes. Andre's The Love Below is an eclectic, mixed-bag collection of songs that seamlessly flows between pop, jazz, soul, funk, folk, and R&B, with genre elements often cross-pollinating with one another. The song that we will be featuring today is called Prototype, and is a clear, well, prototype for a distinct sound that would be further developed by Frank Ocean on his album Blonde, especially his song Pink and White. The connection is further solidified by the fact that Ocean had Andre feature on tracks from both Channel Orange and Blonde, an influence he not only flaunts but honors. When put into perspective, a shared musical lineage can be drawn through Sign of the Times, To the Love Below, to Blonde, a family tree that most artists would do just about anything to be a part of. That's it for this week. Thanks for tuning in. Let me show you.
Today for 
The first one I first heard. 